Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. I have been so blessed. Um, you know, we've been going through this series called The Blessed, and a few weeks ago we started this sub-series on the three levels of generosity. And last week, you know, we, we dug into the first level, which is what I call obedience. Now, I know if maybe you're new to Access Church and you haven't been here for a while, it almost seems like we've been talking a lot about money and giving. And, 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 and there's a, a method and a purpose is because even though it may seem self-serving, the reality is, is I want you blessed. I, I want you to walk in the fullness of the blessing of Jesus Christ in your life. You know, when you become a son or daughter of the King, how many of you know that that comes with benefits? That comes with privileges. You and I call those benefits, privileges, the blessings of God. And and when Jesus came, he said he came to, to restore, to save that which was lost. If we want to know why he came or what he restored to us, then we have to go back to the original scene to find out what was lost. When we look at Adam and Eve, they were placed in the Garden of Eden. And uh, this place was a beautiful place. The Bible says that, that they had everything in abundance. They had everything they could ever need. It was, the, the word Eden means sanctuary. It means uh, abundance. It, it means pleasure. It means peace. And God put the first man and the first woman in the most perfect environment ever. Well, sin came in, interrupted that flow, interrupted that connection. And Jesus came to rescue and restore to us what was lost in the Garden of Eden. And after Jesus was crucified, buried, and resurrected, he proclaimed, he said, the keys of the kingdom have been given to me. What he was saying is, I have restored, I have, I have taken back that which Adam lost. See, what we've got to understand is that we have access but we have to use the keys. And so what we have been doing over the last few weeks is that we have been uh, teaching you how to access abundance in your economy, abundance in, in your finances. And the first level that we talked about was the tithe. It is what we call obedience. And last week we, we delved into the principle of tithing and first fruits. And number one, the principle of tithing and first fruits is giving God first. God desires or expects to be first in our life. And one of the ways that we do that is by giving God first. One of the things that we say here at Access Church, you don't give when you go, you give when you get paid. You know what? And I just want to congratulate you, man. These last few weeks, we have seen an, an uptick in, in, in giving and tithes and offering. It, it's been amazing. You know, we've, yeah, let's give God some praise for that. And not only have we seen an increase in, in giving, but we have also seen an increase in the testimonies of the blessing. And so the principle of tithing, number one, is putting God first. And, and how do we know 
that tithe is the primary way that we put God first because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 that wherever our heart is, that's where our treasure is. And wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart is. So the tithe is nothing more to test the, the obedience and the loyalty and the faithfulness of our heart towards, towards God. It's not just saying it, it's doing it. We talk about the tithe is returning to God what belongs to him. When we, when we come and we render our tithes unto the Lord, let me just say this. You don't give your tithe to a church. You don't give your tithe to a pastor. You don't give your tithe to an organization or a denomination. You give your tithe to the Lord. Now, you give it through the avenue or the conduit of the church, but you should never say, well, I give my tithes to Pastor Brad. And it's crazy because I've heard people say, well, I give my tithes to Pastor so-and-so. I said, well, if you give your tithes to so-and-so, then you're not doing it right. Because we render our tithe unto God. And the tithe, the Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord. So all we're doing is returning to God what's rightfully his. We're not essentially giving him anything out of our own pocket or our own wealth. We're returning to him. Number three, we talked about you give where you get fed. And I use this example like I can't go to McDonald's and order a number one combo and say I paid at Burger King. They're not going to, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you already paid over there. No, you, you give wherever you get fed. And, and that's the principle of the tithe. And, and one of the things that we've got to understand that true tithe, remember God is more interested in why we do something than if we do it. To God, it matter, matters more the intentions and the motivations of our heart. So true tithing should never come from a legalistic mind. It should always come from a grateful heart. In fact, the model or the pattern that we see in Scripture is Abraham and Isaac. Do you realize that both of these men of God rendered and committed to give God a tenth, a tithe of all of their increase before there was even a lot to do so. In fact, look at what it says in Genesis chapter 28, verse 22. It says, And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place for worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. This happened way before there was a law, way before God expected or God required it. Here is Isaac saying, God, because he, he had just had this amazing encounter, this amazing experience with God. And out of that, he realized that everything that he could ever receive, he says, I'm going to give God a tenth of what he gives me. He realized that if he has, it's because God is first good. If he has, it's because God first gave to him. And so when we understand that these keys are only to give us access to get us back to the place where Adam and Eve started. But we have to use the keys. In fact, Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, he says, I have come so that you might have life and life more what? abundantly. God, Jesus' intention is to return us to that abundant life. But how do we access the benefits or the blessings of the kingdom is by utilizing the keys. Now, before we get to the next level, remember we're talking about the three levels of generosity. We have to start at the first level. Why? Because the Bible teaches us this principle that obedience is greater than sacrifice. Obedience is greater than then sacrifice. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, it says, But Samuel replied, 
What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. See, what God would prefer before you would give anything out above and beyond what comes out of your resources, out of your wealth, God says, we've got to start with the first level. We've got to start with obedience. Why? Because obedience demonstrates the loyalty and the faithfulness of our heart. Let me put it to you this way. Let's say you as a mother or father, you set a a standard or an expectation for your son or your daughter that every day they have to make sure their room is clean. And that is the standard. That is the expectation. You say, son, daughter, when you get home from school, I want you to make your bed. I want your room clean. And let's say you get home from work and you come home and the room is not clean. See what I'm talking about? Obedience is better than sacrifice. Someone get that kid. Anyway, I don't know whose kid that is, but... It's tremendo. But yet, you get home and the room is not clean, but they made you dinner. While you would be grateful that they went through the sacrifice and they went through the trouble, your heart would still be troubled and disappointed because they didn't obey you. They did things they weren't supposed to do. Let's say you get home and you say, you say, mijo, how come you didn't clean your room? I bought, but I cut the grass. Okay, I'm grateful that you cut the grass, but the standard of the expectation is obedience. Once we take care of the room, then cut the grass all you want or then make dinner. Why? Because obedience sets the foundation. Obedience is greater than sacrifice. And so when we, when we look at the three levels of generosity, why is obedience so important is because it is the obedience that activates the blessing on our life. Deuteronomy 28.2 says, if you fully obey, then all of these blessings will overtake you. All of these blessings will overcome you. It doesn't say if you sacrifice than all of these blessings. It says, if you fully obey. So obedience is better than sacrifice. And the prophet Samuel is saying, okay, yeah, great. You you, you went and you sacrificed a lot of bulls and a lot of rams, but God gave you a specific instruction not to do this, and yet you disobeyed him. So all of your sacrifice is for not because God would require or prefer your obedience first. So obedience activates the blessing. Now, when we looked at Malachi chapter 3, and, and, and we looked at this, we see that along with the tithe, God also requires offerings. And that is the level 2 of generosity. It is sacrifice. It is offerings. It is what we give out of our own resources. Tithe is returning to God what is his, so we're not giving God anything. But the next level, level 2, is sacrifice or offerings is what we give to God out of our own resources, out of our own finances. Now, look at what Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. So God established not only the tithe, but he also established a system or a pattern of offerings the people were supposed to bring. And so tithing is returning to God what belongs to him. So we aren't giving God anything from what is ours. 
Offerings is what we give to God from what is ours. And, and the, the, when we give offering, we have to see those as the seeds that we are sowing in the kingdom of God. So offerings is what we give out of ourselves. Now, one of the foundational principles that God put in place to govern the earth in the very beginning, we see in Genesis chapter 8, 22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So one of the foundational laws that God put into place was the law of seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping or planting and harvesting. So when we look at our offerings, I want you to begin to see your offering as a seed. These are seeds that we sow that will produce a harvest. When we look at Malachi chapter chapter 3, we, we see that God says, if you give God the tithe in the offering, our tithe rebukes the hand of the devourer, but it is our offering that will activate the flow of blessing. He says, I will open up the windows and pour out blessing upon blessing. So when God established the earth, he established this law or this principle of seed time and harvest. It is the key. It is the access. You have to be able to sow in order to produce. Imagine, we used the example last week. If, if I take you to my yard and I say, look at my garden, you would ask me, well, what did you sow? Well, I didn't sow anything. Well, you can't expect to reap. You can't expect to harvest unless you sow a seed. That's how this system works. That's how this principle works. And that, that principle is what will govern and determine the level of blessing or harvest we have in our lives. So over the next few minutes, I want to look at four principles that govern the law of planting and harvesting. Number one, whatever type of seed you sow is what you are going to reap. Whatever type of seed you sow, that is what you're going to reap. Genesis 1 chapter, Genesis chapter 1 verse 11 says, Then God said, Let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant, and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce all the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. So God governed said that whatever type of seed you sow, that is what you're going to reap. Imagine, if you sow an apple seed, what are you going to get? Mangoes, of course, right? No. If you sow apple seeds, you get what? If you sow tomato seeds, you get? Right? If you sow cilantro, you get cilantro. There I go, making my own pico de gallos. Robert's fall on the way here. We were talking about food and chicharrones y carnitas and brisket and... Anyway, so this is a principle that God established that whatever type of seed you sow, that's what you're going to produce. You can sow one type of seed and expect a different harvest. So whatever seed you sow, that is what you're going to reap. If you sow peace, you're going to reap what? If you sow kindness, you're going to reap. If you sow love, you'll reap. If you sow forgiveness, you'll reap. If you sow grace, you reap. If you sow time, you'll reap. Are you guys not convinced yet? Let's go over again. If you sow forgiveness, you'll reap. If you sow grace, you'll reap. If you sow time, you'll reap. If you sow money, you'll reap. 
Everything sows or, or produces according to its kind. Why do you think when it comes to sowing money or finances, the devil will put all kinds of encumbrances in your mind, all kinds of barriers, all kinds of objections. He'll tell you all the reasons why you can't. Why? Because he knows that you will produce a harvest according to the type of seed you sow. Galatians 6-7, this is not just an Old Testament principle, this is a New Testament principle. Look at what Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says, do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. It's a principle. It, 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 it has to happen. You cannot sow mangoes and get oranges. You cannot sow oranges and get apples. Whatever type of seed you sow, that is what you're going to reap. And let me tell you, in the kingdom of God, you can sow all kinds of seeds. You can sow the seed of love. You can sow the seed of, of grace. You can sow the seed of forgiveness. Whatever you sow, that is what you are going to reap. The world calls it what? Karma. That's what the world calls it. But the Bible says that you will always reap whatever you sow. Number two, the amount of seed you sow determines the amount of your harvest. The amount of seed you sow determines the amount of your harvest. The magnitude of your harvest is determined by the magnitude of your seed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 5 through 6 says, So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember, God doesn't want you to give because you give out of obligation or out of compulsion or just to impress. God says... God wants to know that you're giving from a generous and grateful heart. Verse 6, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. We, we say it this way, those who sow sparingly will what? Reap sparingly. Those who sow generously will reap generously. So the second law that governs the law of planting and harvest is you will always, you, the amount of seed you sow determines the amount you harvest. If you sow little, you're going to reap little. If you sow much, you're going to reap much. That's just the way that the kingdom of God operates. Now, isn't it funny that those that sow sparingly are usually the ones that want to reap generously? It's amazing in church, the ones that give the less are the ones that have the biggest opinions. I know this doesn't happen at Access Church, but the church on the street, it does. And other churches I've been to. But the Bible is very clear. The amount of seed you sow determines the amount you harvest. Number three, are you with me? Are you learning something? You will always harvest more than you sow. Now, that's a pretty good deal. You will always harvest more than you sow. Why? Because God is a God of multiplication. One of the things that he established from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, he said, be fruitful and multiply. He, says, Does it, he didn't say be fruitful and add. He said, be fruitful and multiply. God is a God of multiplication. When you plant an apple seed, you get what? An apple. No, you get a tree. Right? 
That's what the Bible says. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 through 9. It says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. So God is a God of multiplication. You will always harvest more than you sow. When you plant an apple seed, you don't produce an apple. You produce a tree. How many apples can that tree produce? You know what's amazing? That when you produce, when you sow a seed in the kingdom of God, you don't just get one immediate harvest. You create a harvest that could last you a lifetime. How do you know? Remember the story of the, of the widow of Zarephath and the prophet Elijah. The Bible says that the, the land was in a drought. So God takes the prophet Elijah to the brook of, of Cherubith and, and he gets to experience the first Uber Eats. The birds bring him happy meals. The birds bring him a Chick-fil-A meal. And he doesn't have have anything to do all he has to do is receive it then all of a sudden the birds stop coming uber eats stops functioning and god says okay i'm gonna send you to the widow's house now i'm sure elijah was probably thinking because he was familiar with the culture and the community he knew that a widow had no way of generating income or revenue or wealth when you were a widow in biblical times, you couldn't get a job. You couldn't work. You had no, you had no way. That's why the Bible say that when, you would, when, when a husband would die, the husband's brother would have to take on the, 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 the brother's widow. Because the widow had no way of producing wealth. So God tells, God tells Elijah, okay, I'm going to send you to the widow's house. And I'm sure Elijah was thinking, the widow? Why don't you send me to that rich uncle that never remembers my birthday or Christmas? But he sends him to the widow. So he shows up to the widow's house, knocks on the door, and says, hey, I'm here. God said you're going to sustain me. And the widow just looked at her pantry, and the Bible says that all she had was a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. She was going to make one piece of bread. Her and her son were going to eat, and then they were going to die. That tells me that she had no family. She had no one that could, could care for them. They had one meal left. And God sends the prophet to the widow's house. See, sometimes we don't understand that sometimes our need isn't about us. Sometimes our need is just an opportunity for someone else to get a blessing. So imagine for a moment, what we don't know is the backstory. The widow looks at her pantry. All she, says, all she sees is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. She's like, God, you need to do something. We need a miracle. God, this is not enough. All I have is enough for one more meal, and then me and my son are going to die. God hears, that, God hears that prayer. God goes into action. He dries up the brook. He stops sending, and he, he creates a need in Elijah. Why? Because that's the way the kingdom of God operates. In order for the widow to get a harvest, she would have to sow a seed. In order for the widow to produce, she would have to sow a seed. Yeah, God could have given her one meal. Somebody could have showed up with groceries. But that would have just been good for one day or one week. But what would have happened for the rest of her life? And God is not just about giving you something for now. God is all about sustaining and providing. So in order for her to get a harvest, God had to create a scenario for her to sow a seed. So the, Elijah comes to the widow, knocks on the door and says, okay, I'm here. God says, you're going to sustain me. He says, all I have is a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I'm going to make one piece of bread, and me and my son, we're going to eat, and we're going to die. And Elijah says, great, do that. But instead of you eating it, I'm going to eat it. 
Now, all of the religious folk would have been like, man, that pastor, can you believe him? Who does he think he is? Taking food right out of the widow's mouth. But they didn't understand the principle of sowing and reaping. God knew in order for her to get a harvest, she would need to sow a seed. In order for her to sow a seed, God had to create a need so that she could sow a seed in the kingdom. So the need shows up, and remember, God has to be first. It's great. You do that, but you're going to give it to me first because God always wants to be first. See, we are like, ay, que gacho. That's the Greek word for... God created the need so the widow could sow the seed. And what happened? The Bible says that she did what the prophet asked. She made the bread, she brought it to the prophet, and she gave it to him. But you know what happened? The Bible says that as she began to pour the oil and the flour, it never ran out. What did she do? She sowed a seed, and instead of just producing flour, she got a tree. And the Bible says that flour and that oil never ran out. See, when you sow a seed in the kingdom, you create an, a harvest that will last a lifetime. It'll go from your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. That's what happens when you sow a seed in the kingdom of God. You, when you sow an apple, an, an apple seed, you don't just get an apple. You get a tree that year after year, if it's cultivated, if it's watered with the word in faith, it's going to produce apples and apples and apples and apples. It's going to keep producing. That's what happens when you sow in the kingdom of God. When you sow in the kingdom kingdom of God, you will always reap more than you sowed. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells us the parable of the sower. And embedded in that story is the principle of multiplication of the harvest. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 13. He says, still other seed fell on good soil. What kind of soil? Somebody say soil matters. Where it produced a crop. 160 or 30 times that which was sown. So notice that Jesus telling the story of the sower, he abruptly breaks the mathematical progression that he uses after reaching 60-fold. He says if you sow a seed in good ground, you'll get 30, 60, or 100. He has been progressing by 30 numbers at a time, 30, 60. That is until he gets beyond 60. Then instead of adding another 30 to his count, coming to 90-fold, he jumps 40 numbers and he ends with 100. He goes 30, 60, and 100. When Jesus makes this abrupt change in the mathematical progression, it should be obvious that something powerful and significant is about to happen. For 100 is a very unique number. It is the only number that can represent many other numbers. Not only does it mean 100, but it can also represent and mean that something is complete, that something is whole, that something is perfect, or the best possible. See, in the kingdom of God, when you sow a seed, you can either receive a 30, 60, or 100% return on your seed, or harvest on your seed, and nothing you ever sow in the kingdom is ever lost. Your seed will always produce, whether you produce 30, 60, or 100% percent harvest is dependent on two things the quality of the seed and the quality of the soil the quality of the seed matters and the quality of the soil matters so jesus says if you sow good seed and good ground you'll get a hundredfold so there's a lot of people that will sow seeds but because 
They don't tithe. They're not at the level of obedience. They're just sacrificing. Remember, in the kingdom, you'll always produce, but you're only going to get a 30 or 60. What will determine your 100% your, your return? What, what will determine your 100% harvest is when we tithe, God blesses what is ours. The seed is blessed. The Bible says if the first part is holy, the rest is holy. If the first part is blessed, the rest is blessed. When you give God the first part, the first 10%, God blesses everything you have, and now your seed and your money and your finance have this supernatural commanded blessing upon it that when you sow that something supernatural happens when your seed is blessed and it's sown into good soil then you'll receive a hundredfold blessing something supernatural takes place when you sow a seed that has been blessed divinely imbued and put into good soil that is when you're going to receive a hundred percent return on your seed that means that your harvest will be complete your harvest will be whole your harvest will be perfect and it will be exactly what you need you may not always have enough but when you sow a seed in the kingdom of God and you take good seed that's been blessed and you plant it in good soil then you will get a perfect harvest what does that mean that means you will have exactly what you need so what determines a hundred percent return or a hundred percent harvest is the quality of the seed and the quality of the soil. Now, this is where a lot of believers, um, they, they, they get it wrong. Because they think you sow a seed in need. In the kingdom of God, you never sow a seed in need. If you want to get a 100% return, you have to sow in ground that is fertile. You have to sow in ground that is producing. For instance, if you are going to invest in a company or in a business, do you invest in a company or a business that's going bankrupt? No. Why? Because the whole idea of investing is to reproduce. It is to earn uh, interest and dividends and capital gains and all the things that come with investing. You get that, that ROI, that return on your investment. Well, it's the same thing in the kingdom of God. When God commands you to sow a seed, he will always command you to sow a seed not into need, but something that is fruitful, something that, that is producing, something that, 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 that is impactful. I remember years ago, when I, I, I was a, a young youth pastor at an inner city church in Dallas, and, and we were struggling. We were struggling with finances. We were struggling with, with paying the, the electricity bill. We were struggling with paying the mortgage. And I heard this story of the president of PepsiCo sitting down with Pastor Rod Parsley and promising him to give him an offering of a million dollars. Yes. And I remember hearing that like, well, why him? Pastor Rod Parsley has a church of 10,000. He has a mansion, a jet. He don't need it. We need it. We're over here in the hood. We need those folk. God, why? Because I didn't understand the principle of the kingdom. God will always funnel his resources to that which is producing. The more you produce, the more fertile you are, the more fruitful you are, the more seed is going to come your way. And we've got to understand that when we sow a seed, we don't sow to need. When you give to the poor and you give to the needy, you don't give a, a seed. You give out of the abundance of the harvest. If you want to produce, you always got 
got us so up. When we started Access Church, we were a small fledgling church. We were just starting, and I would sow not into ministries that were more less fortunate than us. I was sowing seed into ministries that were bigger than us. I was sowing into seeds of ministry that were transcendent. I was sowing seeds that were going into ministries that were powerful. Why? Because I was sowing where I knew God was going to take us. And I was sowing into what was being fruitful and multiplied. And see, a lot of times we think we sow into need. You never sow into need. You want to sow into something that is fruitful, something that is producing. If you sow to a drug addict that's living on the street corner, what's he going to do with that money? Is he being fruitful with it? No. It's, your seed's not going to produce. You're going to meet a need in that moment, but it's not going to produce. You never sow a seed in need. You sow a seed into fertile ground. So the quality of the soil and the quality of a seed. When you take a blessed seed and you sow it into fertile ground, into a fertile ministry, into a fertile situation, then you will get 100% return. Number four, the more seed you sow, the more seed you get. The more seed you sow, the more seed you get. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 10 says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So, so if you notice that Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, this is already 2 Corinthians. Remember, they were the church that was extra. If you've been coming on Thursdays for Bible study, then you understand the, the Corinthians were super extra. So 1 Corinthians, God was using Paul to put them in order. Now in 2 Corinthians, Paul is, 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 is exhorting them and, and, and encouraging them because they're a very generous church. They're a generous people. And he's beginning to tell them about the blessings of being generous. And he said that God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then the bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. See, the way the kingdom of God works, as long as you're sowing, the more seed you sow the more seed you get. If the flow stops, what happens? The, the seed stops. What happened with the oil? Remember the other situation where she gathered all of, all, all of the pots and, and she began to fill up the pots and the oil, the oil limit or capacity was the amount of pot she had. The moment she stopped pouring, the moment it stopped flowing. So in the kingdom of God, the more seed you sow, the more seed you get. Now, I know you're thinking, man, this sounds very self-serving to you. But let me tell you, you don't always sow a seed. And we're going to get there in a minute. To the church, you don't always sow a seed to the church. Sometimes you'll sow a seed to the church. Sometimes you'll sow a seed to a ministry or a missionary or, or to another family. God will often direct you. So it's not just about you giving to the church. It's about you seeing that in your wallet, in your bank account is a bag full of seed. But the more seed you sow, the more seed you will get. Number five. Generosity produces generosity. Second Corinthians chapter 9, 1 and 2 says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. So the church at Corinth had this ministry of giving. Paul calls it a ministry of giving to the church, to the believers in Jerusalem. Verse 2, for I know how eager you are to help 
And I have been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. See, the church at Corinth understood the power of generosity. They understood that when they give, they are blessed. And so the Bible says that when they heard of the need, they were ready to go. And Paul says, wait a minute, we're not ready for the sea. And he says, man, I've been everywhere I go. I've been bragging about you guys. I've been bragging about how you're always willing to give, how you're always willing to sow, how you're always willing to, to give a, a, an offering. And he says, in fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. What is he saying? That as you begin to give, people get excited and they'll want to give. Once you begin to share the blessings of generosity, people get excited and say, man, I'm going to put God to the test. And let me tell you, one of the reasons that I believe that we at Access Church are financially blessed, we have never had to sell chicken plates, enchilada plates, or tacos to pay one bill. Why? Because we know that we serve a God of all blessing and all abundance. And before you even gave, we gave you. People say, I don't want to go to church. All they want is my money. Before you even gave, we were giving you coffee, donuts, and a big, beautiful smile. Cheese, crackers. You know, when we did the, the event at the amphitheater, we were giving away tacos. And people were like, well, how much? We're get, they're free. They're like, like free, free? Or like, like a dollar free? Like $2 free? Or like a donation? You know how when people, the kids say, free car wash by donation. Like, is it free or is it by donation? Which one is it? People were so freaked out. People that come from churches. Why? Because churches do that. But why were we able to do that? Because generosity breeds generosity. Do you know all of the meat that we gave away was first given to us. But why was that meat given to us? Because before it was given to us, we were already giving, we were all giving away. And people would literally come and they'd be like, like, how much are the tacos? Like, no, you don't understand, they're free. There's almost 700 people and you're giving away free tacos, yeah. Why? Because we understand that generosity breeds generosity. And we want to dispel and break every paradigm, every misconception that the church is all about getting. The church is all about receiving. Because we believe that the church should be all about giving. I'm not blessed by what I receive. I'm blessed by what I give. And generosity produces generosity. When you're generous, you bless others. But when you're generous, you also yourself get blessed. Your generosity encourages others. But your generosity will also encourage you. When you sow and you are generous, generosity produces generosity. So I'm going to conclude with this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 31, we have a, a, a story where King Hezekiah, he assumes the throne. And the Israelites had turned away from God. They had rebelled against God. So now he comes into authority, into power. And he says, we're going to get back to doing things God's way. We're going to get back to doing what his word says. And so in, in, look at what it says in verse 4. It says, in addition, he required the people in Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and the Levites. So they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. Look, he's, 
what, what it says, in addition, he, he, he reestablished the sacrifices. He reestablished the temple. He reestablished everything. But he understood that sacrifice without obedience is futile. So he says, in addition, he required the people in Jerusalem to bring a portion of their goods to the priests and Levites so that they could devote themselves fully to the law of the Lord. Verse 5, when the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded, how? generously by bringing the first share of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields. They brought a large quantity of what? A tithe of all they produced. The people who had moved to Judah from Israel and the people of Judah themselves brought in the tithes of their cattle, sheep, and goats and the tithe of the things that had been dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them up in great heaps. Verse 7, they began piling them up in late spring and the heaps continued to grow until early autumn. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw these huge piles, they thanked the Lord and his people. So he reestablishes the temple services. He reestablishes the temple sacrifices. But he understood that obedience is greater than sacrifice. So he said, okay, in addition to that, we have to be obedient. And he said, you have to bring your first fruits. You have to bring your offerings. You have to bring the tithe. And they began to bring it. And it says that they started in spring and they kept piling up all the way into autumn. Verse 9. Where did all this come from? Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites. And Azariah, the high priest from the family of Zedak, replied, Since the people began bringing their gifts to the Lord's temple, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare. The Lord has blessed His people, and all this is left over. Now picture, this is what happens. The people began to bring their gifts. And the more they brought, the more they got blessed. And the more they got blessed, the more they would bring. And the more they would bring, the more they would be blessed. And the more they were blessed, the more they would bring. And the more they would bring, the more they would get blessed. That is what happens when we begin to walk in the fullness of obedience and we begin to honor God. Let me tell you, you will never be able to outgive God. And the Bible says they got so much that they had so many heaps that it took seven months for them to situate all that they brought. Let me tell you, the principles of God work. The keys will unlock supernatural blessing and finances over your lives. Two weeks ago, I shared the testimony of how right, right after we, we I, I preached on the, the first message on generosity. I get a text on the way over here. And she says, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. This week, my husband told me that we weren't going to be able to, we weren't going to be able to meet our, our, our bills. And so I had some shirts that I had just bought. And I thought, well, you know what? I could sell those. And with that money, I could help pay whatever we need. But she said, I felt like God was telling me not to sell those shirts, but to give them to a ministry. But she began to you know, try to reason and rationalize, but God, we need money for our bills. How are we going to make it unless, if, if I don't sell these shirts? But she felt the unctioning so strong that she chose to obey God. She says, okay, God, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust you. So instead of selling those shirts, she gave them to a ministry. That was on a Thursday. 
On Sunday, after I preached the first message, after church, a family from the church calls them outside and said, before we leave, we, we got to talk to you. So they go out, outside in the hallway, and this family said, this week God said for us to give you this love offering. She gave the shirts on Thursday, and on Sunday, God gave her more than she would have received if she would have just sold the shirts. Imagine if she would have been listening to the devil saying, don't give them, sell them. She would have missed out because, remember, in the kingdom, you always reap more than you sow. She sowed and she received more than enough to pay their bills and have a little extra. But that's not it. God is great. Right after that, another lady from the church comes up to them and says, we heard that you bought some chairs on credit for your house. And God told me right now that I got to pay those off for you, so I'm going to pay them off. She sends me a text right after with that information. And then on Tuesday, I get another text from the same young lady. Said, Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. Remember that lady that paid for our chairs? She just texted me to tell me that she was needing some yard work on her house. She was needing some work done on her house and she was gonna have to pay for some machinery. And the man that was gonna rent them the machinery said, you know what, you don't have to pay. She got double what she paid for our chairs. Generosity produces generosity because she was obedient and gave the shirts. This lady was obedient and paid the chairs. And because she paid the chairs, then God blessed her double with what she gave. Last year, First Fruits, we had this lady in our Del Rio campus, comes from a difficult situation. Her husband's on disability, fixed income. She can't work. They were broke, no money. And she heard me teaching on the power of first fruit. She says, God, man, I really want to give, but I don't have any money. You know my situation. We, we, we don't have, we literally don't have money to give. But God, if you give me, then I'll give it to you. So that, she prayed that that Sunday, that week, she received some money. It was $300. And she could easily say, well, God, I'll give you the tithe, 30. But she said, uh-uh, this is my first fruits. When you give your first fruits, you give everything you receive that week. She turned around and she gave those $300 in first fruits. A lot of people would have said, well, that's the blessing. No, she understood that that was her seed. Remember, God gives seed to the sower. Because she had the heart to sow, God gave her the seed. She obeyed and gave $300. Two weeks later, she gets called. This man out of the blue says, you know what? I don't know, but God told me I need to buy you a car. They didn't even have a vehicle. Isn't that amazing? Could you imagine if she would have not ever prayed, God, bless me so that I can give? If she would have kept those $300 and because she obeyed God and sowed the seed, remember, you always get more than you sow. So this man out of the blue calls her, God told me that I need to buy you a car. Isn't that amazing? But you know what? God wasn't done. They went to pay for the car. He says, I don't know, but God's also telling me that I need to give you some money. And she's like, well, okay. So he takes out his checkbook and writes a check 
for $30,000. Now, most of us would take $300 for $30, right? Most of us. I'm not going to go there. But if she would have not have been obedient and sold that 300, she would have missed out on the 30,000. This is real life, verifiable miracle of planting and harvesting. So I'm going to give you three tips on how we need to sow a seed or what you need to do. Number one, and I'm going to close with this. Seek God as to what you should sow. You can sow service. How do you sow service? Cutting somebody's yard, fixing somebody's car, fixing somebody's toilet, cutting somebody's grass. You can sow a seed. There's all, remember, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So seek God. God, what is it that you want me to sow? Maybe God wants you to show, sow clothes or sow shoes or, or, or sow, you know, a house. Whatever it is, a property. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. So you always seek God as what you should sow. Number two. Seek God as to where or to whom you should sow. You give your tithes where you get fed or you congregate, but your seed offerings you can give to a church, a ministry, a missionary, a pastor, a minister, a leader, uh, a, a, a TV ministry, a radio ministry, or even a family or a brother or sister in Christ. So you seek God as what you should sow. Seek God as to where or to whom you should sow. And number three, seek God as to how much you should sow. Never ever, let me tell you this, never ever tempt God. I knew this, this young man, his heart was in the right place. He was in the middle of this big development project that he miscalculated. The, the, the real estate market crashed and he needed a miracle. And he said, you know what? I'm going to give $20,000 because I need $200,000. And he went and he gave $20,000 and guess what happened? Nothing. He got bitter and hurt. Why? Because you never manipulate God. You don't test God. That's not how you do that. You sow and you give when the Holy Spirit unctions you to give. Because every time He unctions you to give, it's because He wants to bless you. He wants to produce a harvest in your life. Now for me, every time I come to church, I give an offering. I give my tithes just like everybody else does. But I also give an offering. I give an offering. But I'm always looking for opportunities to sow. I'm always looking for opportunities to give. Sometimes I've given iPads. I've given laptops. I've given shoes. I've given clothes. I've given sunglasses. I've given cars. And every time I give, God always gives me back. I don't give to get, but I get because I give. Why? Because it's the law. It's the principle of seed time and harvest. So number one, seek God as to what you should give. Seek God as to where or whom you should give. And seek God as to how much you should give. Never give trying to get because you'll only end up hurt and disappointed. You give when God says, okay, I want you to give now. And when you give, God will always bless you. Will you stand? Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your revelation. Thank you for your insight. I pray today that you would, you would challenge the, the motivations of our heart. God, that you would stretch our faith to dare to believe you for even greater things. 
God, I pray that we would not just stay on, on the level of obedience, God, but we would continue to ascend and climb the ladder of generosity so that we could walk in the fullness of your blessing, in the fullness of your abundance. And I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.